This is the Oanda Podcast. The time to look at what's making the market headlines with Jeff Halley, Senior Market Analyst for Asia Pacific. Jeff, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Now, here in the UK yesterday, we saw the FTSE endure its worst day for two months. Uh, concerns about rising COVID infections hitting travel companies and possibly the threat of new nicotine rules in the United States led to sharp falls for tobacco stocks. But what about today where you are? Large falls on markets so far. Yes, we've seen a pretty red day for most of Asia, but that contagion actually continued in Wall Street overnight, uh, well, despite the fact that uh, there's been strong earnings uh, coming out. I think a lot of that information had been priced into the markets and with a lack of new drivers, so to speak, and then rising COVID-19 cases in the US and uh, also Canada's travails on that front as well. That was enough to prompt investors to start booking profits and that pushed stocks down overnight. So I don't think there's been a structural turn in the market. I just think that we saw a correction lower and it didn't really take, wouldn't have taken much to have made that happen after a week of quite strong uh, performance by equity markets. That's been the case in Asia today. Japan's uh, Nikkei is down over 2% after uh, they signalled in Japan that Tokyo would start a COVID-19 state of emergency in a week's time. That's also raised fears about the future for the Olympic Games this year as well. So we've seen the Nikkei is the worst performer uh, across Asia. But across Asia in general, we've seen uh, markets dominated by hot money. We're talking uh, your um, your Hong Kong's, uh, South Korea, Australia's all down well over 1%. Singapore down 1% as COVID-19 concerns uh, raise the prospect that uh, you know, the, 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 there may be a delay in the economic recovery in ASEAN, although I think that's overdone. Uh, interestingly, the Chinese markets, the Shanghai Composite, uh, CSI 300, the Shenzhen, are all slightly up today. And I suspect what we're seeing there is the Chinese uh, affiliated state investment companies supporting the markets. Big contrast with what's happening over here in the United Kingdom and in some parts of Europe, because our COVID rate infections are, you know, down to a minimum now, you know, down to last summer's rates. And one wonders what it is that uh, we're doing right and they're doing wrong over there. Of course, we've had a very successful vaccination program, but I'm surprised by the Japanese, I have to say. Yeah, well, I think we have to understand that these vaccines are not widely disseminated uh, outside of these countries that you've already mentioned. And with India entering its fourth wave COVID-19 crisis, and it looks like it's almost biblical in proportions, they've actually put an export ban on COVID-19 vaccines. And, and, and India is the largest vaccine manufacturer in the world. It was before COVID-19 and it still is. So that's throwing a lot of the AstraZeneca programs, for example, which has got obviously problems in itself as well, uh, into disarray. We saw basically Australia throw its vaccination program into the rubbish bin this uh, last week. Uh, and that, that's pretty much been pushed back to the end of the year. I think if the countries haven't secured your Pfizer, BioNTech or Moderna vaccines, they all have problems if they're basing it on uh, AstraZeneca and Johnson & Johnson, and these are the vaccines that a lot of countries, particularly in Asia, have uh, backed. Additionally, the Japanese have been extremely slow to move to secure supplies anyway, as have the South Koreans who are using AstraZeneca. So I think there's been quite a few delays now 
And we're seeing these knock-on effects from the India export ban starting to move through other parts of the world near and far. And that's causing a reassessment in the markets of just how quickly the world economy may recover. And I think that is playing its part in some of the uh, nerves we're seeing in, uh, in equity markets at the moment. It's all the more surprising, Jeff, with the Japanese that they have been slow off the mark, considering they intend to put on an Olympic Games, which is, what, three, four months away now. And there must be some really big concerns there that it might not happen, which would be a huge symbolic, psychological and, of course, economic blow to a proud nation. Uh, very much so. And I, I believe this is one of the reasons why the Nikkei has fallen more than most uh uh, markets today in Asia. And we have to remember that a state of emergency in Japan is not like a state of emergency or a lockdown in the UK, for example. It's very, very light uh, in, in, in its scope. Uh, but as you said, the Olympics is one thing. I think part of the problem with Japan is that it's just not dynamic in its uh, decision making. They tend to go for the whole well, uh, analysis paralysis, as I call it, analyze and consider things to death which means that when they need fast decisions, dynamic decisions, they just don't happen. Uh, and they've been caught uh, napping in, in this respect. So uh, their vaccination program is actually going to be a lot slower, simply because they wanted to wait and see what these vaccines look like. And that is also the case with a lot of the rest of Asia as well, where they just can't secure the supplies from COVAX because India and Europe are banning exports. Let's move on to another story. Uh, Netflix, the uh, video streaming giant, has reported a slowdown in subscriber growth, and that has sent its shares tumbling. Just 4 million or thereabouts signed up for Netflix in the first three months of the year. That is well short of the projected 6 million. The company said a lack of new shows may have contributed to the fall, adding that it expected this to recover. But uh, Netflix shares fell 11% in trading. That is uh, quite a haul. Yeah, I think it shows the amount of hot money that's running around in financial markets and also how it's not sticky. Then no one's prepared to wear intraday losses on positionings. And so we see this hot money becoming a self-perpetuating mechanism for moving markets. You, know, you could even look at cryptos and how some of those moved have moved around some of the peripheral uh, crypto coins in the last uh, week or so as well. Fast money, that sort of Reddit money uh, chasing its tail. There's so much good news built into these 2020 darlings like Netflix that it wouldn't have taken much to have pulled the rug from under them, uh, so to speak. Netflix is still a great business. And actually, as they noted, their uh, subscriber numbers leapt massively last year because of COVID-19, which put them ahead of what their projected subscriber numbers would be. And this is more of a correction back to the mean. But that's not something the markets want to hear at the moment because valuations are so rich and there's so much hot money in equities. They only want to they need to hear this constant stream of good news to justify that positioning. And I think what we've seen in the last day or so is some of that hot money running for the doors because there is so much good news priced into markets. And now they're very vulnerable to that narrative not running uh, to plan. OK, it just shows, doesn't it, how fragile some of these uh, markets are in terms of what worries investors. Maybe a more experienced investor from 20 years ago wouldn't be too worried about the odd downturn, but they seem to run for the hills, as you say. 
Yeah, I know. I think this is part of the mentality of uh, stock markets uh, at the moment, particularly equity markets, because it's the most obvious of the asset classes that we're discussing. But I think cryptos is another classic one as well. Very, very short term horizons. Markets don't move in straight lines. I think what we need to get used to is much higher levels now of intraday volatility or day to day volatility in percentage terms if we are longer term investors. And that's simply because markets have become so democratized with these retail flows that you are going to see that money chasing its tail back back and forth. But if we step back and take a look at the bigger picture, we know that central banks are keeping rates at 0% and they're going to keep them there for a long time. Uh, that money, that quantitative easing money is still flooding the market, pushing rates to zero. People's savings their investments need to find a home that earns more than 0%. And that almost inevitably will mean that in the longer term, this asset price inflation story is going to continue. And we can see that story has been continuing since the global financial crisis, uh, if, if, if you like, where quantitative easing has pushed up asset price inflation, equity markets, uh, uh, equity markets, property markets are the first two off the top of my head, commodities to a lesser extent. I don't think that theme has gone, but I think it's getting a lot more noisier in its journey forwards. Okay, before we let you go, Jeff, what else should we look out for for the rest of today? Well, it's a very thin data calendar today, which means that we are probably in for choppy markets and, and currency markets and, 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 and uh, equity markets as short-term flows yet again dominate proceedings, uh, headline-driven flows, swings in sentiment, et cetera, the follow-the-leader sort of markets. We have the ECB tomorrow. I don't think that's going to be immediately market moving. The Bank of Canada might be interesting tonight because they are looking at tapering their bond buying for the second time. So we could see some volatility in Dollar Canada over the decision. Next week gets a lot more interesting, though. We have the Bank of Japan and the Federal Reserve with uh, rate announcements. We also have US GDP and China um, manufacturing and non-manufacturing PMIs, as well as US personal income to finish the week. So the calendar for the last week of the month gets a lot more juicier, and I think there'll be a few more things, a few more themes for the markets to sink their teeth into. Good stuff. Jeff, thanks very much for joining us this morning. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me, John. The Oanda Podcast.